you for your blessings in our lives, the things that you do for us. Lord, the many things that we are able to see and give testimony of. Lord, we thank you that you can hear prayers and answer them. And, and Lord, that we can just trust events into your hands. Lord, we thank you that you care about our physical well-being. You care about every part of our lives. We thank and praise you, O Lord, for being so good to us, Lord, and letting us see just a little of your goodness in this life. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz? So we have a proper understanding here with our teens. Things are going to change with Peter moving to Oklahoma. And uh, we uh, have, I have been, this is actually the 20th in a lesson on the book of Proverbs. And uh, one of the things I was thinking as I was teaching many of these lessons, I wish our teens were up here to hear the lessons on Proverbs. Uh, because they are directed to younger people. And so uh, what we're going to be doing is during the prayer time... Uh, the teens will be going downstairs. Uh, Brother Franz, Miss Sonia, Miss Pam uh, are still going to be doing your reviews and preparation for camp. So if you are going to camp, uh, you need to go downstairs with the teens. I believe that every teen in our church should take and pass the Bible knowledge test this year. Uh, we want you to. We expect you to. Uh, you come back, say, well, I kind of did okay, but I didn't pass the test. I'm not going to be happy. Uh, you have time. You've been studying the passages. And uh, the only one that might have an excuse is our newest member who's going and hasn't been, had a chance to do all the study everybody else has. But we're, we're looking forward to this. And um, so uh, for this foreseeable future, teens, you'll stay up here for the preaching and then go downstairs to do... Uh, the preparation time, you say, what's going to happen after camp? Well, just stick around and find out. Amen? Uh, no, we've got some plans for you, and uh, looking forward to that. Now, let's just uh, open your Bible to the book of Proverbs. Uh, we'll probably start in chapter 14, so uh, we've got a few things to cover before we do this. As said, we've gone through the first uh, ten chapters, verse by verse, when we got to chapter ten, it seemed that each individual verse was changing direction, and that's what we're going to have basically for the rest of the book of Proverbs, with a few exceptions, Proverbs chapter 31, there with the virtuous woman, and uh, a few other shorter passages, but uh, tonight I would like us to deal with the word prudent. Uh, oftentimes when we hear the word prudent, we think of the word prude. Uh, a prude is a person who uh, does things basically out of ignorance and clinging to tradition. That has nothing to do with the word prudence in your Bible. Uh, let me just give you the definition of the word prudent. Uh, of persons sagacious in adapting means to ends, careful to follow the most politic and profitable course, having or exercising sound judgment in practical affairs, circumspect, discreet, worldly wise. Prudence 
is the quality of being prudent. It says the ability to discern the most suitable, uh, politic, or profitable course of action, especially as regards of conduct, practical wisdom, discretion. There are two references to discretion in our section of Proverbs we're covering And so discretion is the act of separating or distinguishing or condition of being. Distinguished or disjunct separation, disjunction, distinction. So discretion, if you're a discreet person, you're able to be separate from others in the world. You're able to be distinct. Uh, a discreet person is certainly somebody different than your average person today. If I mean, if there is one thing that has been just thrown to the to the four winds in our modern society, it is discretion. In fact, people said, uh, "Pastor, uh, why why do you do this?" Well, it has to deal with this thing of prudence and discretion. Uh, I do not take any lady who is not my wife or daughter in the van. I I don't care if we're going across the street. Uh, I just don't do that. I do not counsel in my office because it's a closed door. It's a small place. I want my wife or one of my daughters close. Why? Because I'm going to do something? No. Because I expect someone else to do something? No. But because of prudence and discretion. It is making no allowance. I love my father-in-law. I thought when I first met him, he says, yes, you can take my daughter out on a date. As long as you take one of her sisters with you. I wanted to go... But, Brother Marshall, don't you understand? I am a man of extremely limited means uh, that he wouldn't understand. Well, he did understand, but there was still no excuse. When we went dating, I had to buy two dinners instead of just one. Why? Because of these words. Prudence and discretion. As we look through the Bible, we'll find out that you can have everything life has to offer, but without these two things that are interrelated, they are connected, it really doesn't matter what you have. You must have these things. And so let's just start in Proverbs chapter 14, and uh, let's look at verse 8 here. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way... But the folly of fools is deceit. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. You know, if we were to ask, just go out on the street and talk to, uh, ten, take a poll, find ten different people. Do you understand what your life is all about. What kind of answers do you think we would get? Uh, There used to be a um, 
well, he's still on the radio. I think it was Sean Hannity used to go out on Thursday afternoons and just interview people on the street. And one of the questions he loved to ask when they were, he'd find a 25-year-old, 30-something person, he said, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? And it was amazing the answers that he got. Well, I'm still in school and I'm working on things and, and maybe someday, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll be a fire... No, no one said they'd be a fire truck. But um, uh, there, there's so much that goes on and people, even Christians... Well, I've heard preachers say this. Well, you know, everybody voted for me to be the pastor, so I guess it was God's will. Those words would be terrifying to me. You cannot just take life as it comes and hope that you're going to get anywhere. A prudent man, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Remember, prudence is being able to discern what is best to adapt the means to the end. Now, the world has taken that and they've switched it all around. They say the end justifies the means. No, the prudent person knows what the end ought to be according to the scripture and says, how am I going to get there? How am I going to pattern my life according to what the Bible says? To understand his way. But in comparison to this understanding of the way, we have the folly of fools. Now, what is the folly of fools? Deceit. We've spent a lot of time on this thing. You see, our world is full of deceit, is it not? And if no one else believes your lies, guess who does? You do. The easiest person to deceive is yourself. And the greatest deception that there is, is self-deception. And, and we try to make light of it sometime. Uh, uh, I think we men are probably uh, better at this than most ladies are. You can look in the mirror and see things that haven't been there in years. Uh, and not see things that are just glaring. Uh, they, they did a study on this. They said a, a man can take a pair of pants that haven't fit right for five or six years, put them on and say, hey, that doesn't look too bad. Uh, this, the folly of fools is deceit. When you deceive yourself, when you allow yourself to be deceived, and I'll tell you what, the world is full of deception, is it not? The cigarette ads, they always show people having fun. Until Mayor Bloomberg came along. Now they have some horror ads for cigarettes. Uh, but you know, those things don't accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. Because they're so horrific that most people say... Oh, that only happens to a few people. The folly of fools is deceit. 
I've often said this about raising children. It's making a big deal out of little things when your children are little. So that when they get big, you don't have to pretend that big problems are little. You see, you deceive yourself that it's not a big deal that little Johnny won't eat his peas. It's not a big deal that little Johnny's not going to listen to you when you tell him to clean up his room. It's not a big deal when he doesn't do his homework. And then when he gets older and starts disappearing with his friends, you deceive yourself. That's not a big deal. It's just like, well, let me tell you something. It is a big deal. You have got to pay attention. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. You need to have a purpose and a direction in your life. That's, that is the wisdom of the prudent man. These are the attributes of being prudent. Uh, verse 15, we, we just moved down here, and the next reference here is, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well into his going. Are we not awash in a sea of information? How many of you remember the Boston bombing? All of a sudden, it was some right-wing Tea Party group. I mean, they kept going on and on and on until they could not be convinced otherwise. Then they finally came out and says, well... Uh, they, they had some ties to Islam, and, and finally they find out that the one guy's been on the Russian watch list. I mean, you can't get any worse in terrorism than end up on the Russian watch list. I mean, that means you are the most dangerous and most violent prone because the Russians don't care about you until you're ready to kill people. I mean, it's an amazing thing here. But there still are people in our country walking around saying, oh, Islam isn't the problem. It's all driven by economics. I mean, how dumb can you get? Listen, the simple believe every word. How many of you have heard? The economy's getting better. Do you believe that? I think you might qualify as simple. My favorite still has been, we're going to get out of debt by printing more money and investing in the economy. You want to know why Wall Street's up? It's because the government's propping it up. It's a scary world in which we live. The prudent man looketh well into his going. I know that that $80 bottle of cologne is going to make every member of the opposite gender follow you down the street. But a prudent member, a prudent man doesn't spend $80 on a bottle of cologne because he doesn't want everybody following him down the street. Uh, you can get in a lot of trouble that way. The simple truth of the matter is a prudent man pays attention to what's going on. He has a direction and a purpose in his life. This next one is discretion, Proverbs 19 and verse 11. Now 
This is one that we all need to exercise here. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. I've even heard preachers preach, God ought to send down uh, fire and brimstone on New York City. Well, I'm glad that God is a little more merciful than that. Amen? And, but then some of those same guys turn around and says, well, we'll support you. Well, we'll support them. Have you heard that? I wish God would destroy that place, but until he does, we'll give you some money to go up there. So I don't have to. Uh, it's hilarious, is it not? But have you met somebody that gets offended at every little thing? They live a pretty miserable life. Discretion is the ability to pass over things. And so you don't make any mistake. The second is not bouncing off of this in a different direction. It is saying the same thing. It is his glory to pass over a transgression. Sometimes... When someone has done something to you to injure you, the best thing you can do is just be quiet. Not make, as we might say, a federal case of it. There's enough to get angry about without going out looking for things. Amen? There's enough things in this world to be upset about. Discretion allows you to defer your anger. And by the way, deferring does not mean opening a little canning jar and filling it full of anger and setting it on the shelf. Because how many of you know what's going to happen to that? I mean, it's going to blow up at a later date. Uh, it's very much like some hot pickles my dad made one time. You just couldn't even imagine these things. I don't know where he got these peppers but the longer it sat in the refrigerator, the hotter it got. In fact, it got to the point to where we dipped the tine of a fork in the juice and just to see how hot it was and just touched one drop to my tongue and my whole, my whole face just went... I said, we got to throw this stuff away. It's going to blow up before long. I don't know what was in that stuff. But that's what anger does when you bottle it up, the idea of deferring it. And sometimes this works. If you like imagery in your mind, is you go dig a hole and bury it. You have a funeral. That is what the discreet man does with his anger. He gets rid of it. I mean, sometimes the Bible says be angry and sin not. Sometimes you've got to sit there and realize, hey, I am angry about this situation. This is absolutely ridiculous. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to go back into my place of work and blow up and scream at everybody? A am I going to uh, write nasty letters to the editor of the newspaper? What am I going to do with this anger? It says a prudent man deferreth it. Okay, now we've recognized it. We know what we're angry about. Let's put it in a little coffin, take it back out, and let's bury it and leave it alone. 
It is his glory to pass over a transgression. Tell you what, there's an awful lot in this life you don't want to know. I mean, some people make it their business to know every little thing that happened. Somebody says, have you heard about brother so-and-so? And I go, I don't want to know. Are they out of the ministry? Well, yeah. Okay, well, that's, well let's pray for his family. That's all I want to know. The Bible says, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The prudent man understands life and its direction. Now, there's another proverb that I'm not going to quote perfectly tonight that says, a man's ways are of the Lord. How can a man understand his own way? You see, the prudent man is reliant upon the Lord Jesus Christ for every decision that he makes. There is a purpose to life. He, secondly, he listens to reproof. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 15. It says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction. Verse 5, Proverbs 15, verse 5. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. How many of you have ever been reproved in your life? The word reproof means blame expressed to the face. Maybe I ought to ask a question. How many of you in this room have I reproved at one time or another? Uh, unfortunately, that's, uh, well, fortunately, that's the job of the pastor, and that's what we're supposed to do. But what is the first thing that happens when someone reproves you? Inside you say, what right do they have to tell me this? But then when we think about it, we say, listen, this isn't just this person. If it's Bible, it's coming from the Lord. And we need reproof. We all need reproof. We've got to listen to it. If you want to be prudent, this is the attribute of a prudent man. He regards, he takes reproof and carefully analyzes it. Proverbs 16.21 says, The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. How many of you like a smart test? I know on the, if you go to the app store, they have the moron test. Uh, I refuse to download that app. I'm afraid to take it and find out whether I am or not. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, that's just the way I look at it. But I like this test because this is a wise test. And this is something that all of us could learn from. You see, this, as we said, Proverbs are either opposing ideas or uh, ideas in conjunction with one another moving in the same direction. The wise in heart shall be called prudent. Well, how in the world do you know whether you're wise in heart with all of the deception that is in the world? Especially the being the easiest person to deceive yourself. And so it says here, and the sweetness 
of the lips increaseth learning. Are you speaking sweeter than you did a few years ago? You know, children can be brutally honest at times, can they not? You're sitting there working on something, you go, Oh, man! Well, why did you do that, Daddy? Because I'm stupid, that's why. Ooh, okay, I'll be quiet. Uh, We sit here, and many times as we get along with other people, we act just like the little child. When, if we had some more wisdom in heart, we would speak a little sweeter. Here's your test. When you have the opportunity to dig in the claws, as they say, as to twist the knife in the wound or just pour a little salt on top, are you sweeter? If you're not, you're in need of prudence. All of us need to be wise in heart. Wisdom in heart will produce sweetness of speech. Many times I've come up against an older person, learned a lot in the auto body shop, working with old Mr. Sheffy at Cleveland Baptist Church. I'll tell you, I could tell you stories all night, but, you know, I'd work and work at something and it'd just look awful. And he'd come up five minutes, have it looking like came right out of a showroom, brand new car store. Why? Because he knew what he was doing, that's why. He knew how to get the job done, but he didn't have to tell me how lousy a job I did to do the good job. I learned a lot in the auto body shop. And it's in life as well. The last attribute we'll be dealing with here is the prudent man understands that prudence comes from the Lord. Chapter 19 and verse 14 gives us the positive of this. It says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent wife only comes from God. You can't manufacture prudence. This is something that you need. Now let's go to Proverbs eleven twenty-two, and we'll get the negative of this. Verse 22 of Proverbs 11 says, As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. Now how many of you have ever been to the pig pen? See the pigs rooting around in the mud. Do you know how you stop a pig from digging in the mud? You put a ring in his nose. And when he gets that nose down in the hole and starts rolling around, it pulls on the ring and it hurts, and he stops digging underneath the fence. Now, how many of you would take a 14-carat ring and put it in a pig's nose? 
I mean, that'd be just a little absurd. That'd make the bacon just a little more expensive than it ought to be, huh? And the simple truth of the matter is, you can have all the outward beauty and accoutrements this world has to offer, but without discretion, it's worthless. And you know, the application is not only to women here and being beautiful. The application is, how many of you have seen these guys with the suits and the fancy cars and all of this and no life at all? No life at all because they've lived for me. This, this is the antithesis of, of prudence and discretion. So we find that these attributes are simply this. Number one, a prudent man understands life, has direction and purpose. The prudent man listens to reproof. And he understands that the prudence that he has, that ability to be wise in heart and sweet of speech, comes only from God. Now, if you're going to be prudent, what should you do? Well, glad you asked. That's our second point tonight. And uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 16 says, a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. Boy, there's a lot of wisdom right there. You do not have to heap shame upon another human being. A prudent man covereth that shame. I wonder how many people are going to hell today because some Christian, rather than covering their shame with the blood of Jesus Christ, shamed them. This is something that we need to think about. This is the work of the prudent man. He covers shame. Verse Chapter 13, verse 16 says, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Proverbs 12, 23. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the hearts of fools proclaimeth foolishness. Proverbs 14, 18. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Proverbs 18.15, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. Number one, a prudent man covers shame. Number two, he deals with knowledge. The ideal here is, how many of you have gained knowledge about a specific subject. I know Frida studied healthcare and alternative medicine. Brother Franz studied English and teaching. Rosalinda teaches biology. She's got she's gained knowledge in those subjects. Brother Dave has studied cooking. There's a lot to learn there. How did you get knowledge? Did it come to you accidentally? 
Do you just get a book and read it? Does that solve all the world's problems? No. You've got to investigate. You've got to assimilate. You've got to put it into practice before you get knowledge. Isn't that true? Hello? We still awake? I haven't put you to sleep yet, have I? I'm working on it, but... The simple truth is, if you're going to be prudent, you've got to be about getting knowledge. And getting knowledge is a purposeful endeavor. It doesn't happen by accident. You're not going to get knowledge just sitting in church going, I wonder how long he's going to preach tonight. It's going home and studying the text. If you have a Strong's Concordance, you can get these same verses that we have studied tonight out of the book of Proverbs and read them for yourselves and ask God to teach you. You see, a prudent man, it says, concealeth knowledge. Now, why would a prudent man be about getting knowledge and yet conceal it? Have you ever had anybody give you too much information? Does it do you any good? No. A prudent man does not tell everything he knows. But he knows what he knows. Have you ever met somebody that doesn't know what they know? I mean, they're everywhere, aren't they? I can tell you everything about everything. Well, we had somebody visiting years ago, and they start, one of the kids brought up Sherlock Holmes, and they started saying a whole bunch of stuff about Sherlock Holmes that wasn't in any of the books. The only problem was my kids had read the books. And so it was quite an interesting conversation. In fact, uh, I think this was long enough ago. Peter was still at home. He goes over and gets the book and turns it to the page and says, See here, this is what you're talking about, but that's not what happened. It's here. And that's not the best way to deal with things. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't know what you think you know, you're in trouble. You're not prudent. The prudent man gets the knowledge. But he doesn't have to share it all, at least the first time around. Amen? He deals with knowledge. Now, the last point tonight is a prudent man. I don't know if this happens again, but this is one proverb that's repeated word for word twice. Many times they're very similar. But this is word for word. I'm going to read you Proverbs 22.3 and 27.12 at the same time. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and he hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. How many times have you been walking through life and it was just like the Holy Spirit was knocking on the door of your heart saying, don't do this, don't go over there, don't go to this place, you don't need to talk to this person, whatever it was, 
and you did it anyway. You got yourself in big trouble. Well, guess what? You qualify for being simple. That is, without understanding, without knowledge, without the ability to think. That's what a simple person is. A prudent man has the opposite of those things. He's able to assimilate knowledge. He's able to use it to choose the best path. Oftentimes in the Christian life, we are not to spend our whole life choosing between evil and good. I would hope and pray for you. I would hope and pray for me that we would get to the point to where we're choosing between what is good and what is best. That's Philippians chapter 3. Many Christians never get from out of the first category. But let me tell you, the prudent man foreseeth the evil. He hides himself. There's an awful lot of protection in the words of this book. And being able to read and know what to do with these words is what prudence is all about. It's being able to order your life according to God's Word. You say, but circumstances don't let me do that. Wrong. That's not the right answer. Because God is bigger than circumstance. That's what this verse is telling us. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. You know what? One of the things I'm hiding myself from is I know what my children are capable of without parental involvement and motivation and character warping and other things that are involved. I know what my kids are, are capable of doing. I've seen it happen to so many others. A prudent man foreseeth that evil. And he hides himself from that evil by being obedient to what the Bible says about raising your children. And you know what? We've been at this for 23, 24 years. And the way things are looking, we've got another 18 or 10, uh, 15 to 18 years involved in this till the youngest one turns 21. We're going to be at this for quite a while. And by that time, hopefully we'll be involved in the lives of our grandchildren. Amen? But more importantly, I pray that we'll have trained our children to the point to where grandma and grandpa won't have to do that much. See, that's just one illustration. The prudent man foreseeth the evil. He hides himself. This is not talking about seeing all the evil in Washington, D.C. and buying an island in the South Pacific and building an iron case in the bottom of the island and hiding down in that hole uh, waiting for the evil to happen. That's not prudence. God has challenged us to live in the world but not to be of it. That's why you have to understand your way and the purpose in what we are doing. That's why you have to understand that prudence only comes from God. That prudence covers shame, not exposes it. 
that prudence deals with knowledge, but it doesn't just lay it all out. It brings it in and sorts it out and chooses what's best. And a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. I'll tell you, if there's anything that we need, we need prudence. We need discretion. These two things are hand in glove. And there's not, if you think prudence is like humility, the moment you think you have it, you just lost all of it. It is not something that you will be aware of and look at yourself and say, wow, I'm, I'm just really prudent about these things. No, because prudence comes from God, my friend. And the prudent man is totally dependent upon God. And all God's people said, Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we just ask that you would work in our hearts, that you would make us aware of opportunities to deal in knowledge. Lord, that you would teach us the sweetness of our lips to cover shame, to do these things that the prudent and the discreet do. Help us to understand the worthlessness of our lives if we refuse these attributes in them. We ask you to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll take just a moment before we finish that prayer. If you'd like to add something to it, you may slip.